where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. And today we're going to be looking at episode 19, Coach Buries a Grudge. It's an interesting episode. It, it came out on the 16th of February, 1984. It was written by David Lloyd. And directed by James Bowles. Oh, yeah. Nothing to do with Valentine's Day this episode. No. Nothing at all. Oh, there's, a, there's a tiny bit of romance. Is it romance? No. There's some gift giving. And that's actually our cold open. So maybe that was a, a Valentine's inspired gift. Diane has got a lovely present for Sam. And she uh, gives him a, a nice wrap present, I believe. He opens it up. It's a lovely new jumper. There you go, Sam. You're a bit cold, are you? February, so you know. What kind of jumper is it, James? It's a knitted one. It's an Icelandic snowflake rag wool sweater. All of those words sound lovely. It's a spotty stripes and zigzags. And a turtleneck. It's got everything. And it's horrible. It's like all Twin Peaks sweaters molded into one mega sweater. <laughs> but no check. You don't know what it looks like on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> it's a genuinely horrible sweater. Sam says he doesn't want to wear it. He has to, like, live with clothes for a bit before he tries them on. Yeah. She says, oh, just please try it on. I won't laugh. It will look really nice on yeah. and no, no one will make fun of you. Once he's put on, she just laughs at him. She goes, ah, ha, 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 that's a silly sweater. It was like being punked. But it was so sweet where I was like, I hate looking silly. And that was our cold open. A nice, nice, what I can only assume was a Valentine's Day present. It uh-huh. could also be a... Reconciliation? Yeah, they've had quite a few fights recently, so it could be towards that as well. Building bridges and making amends with an ugly sweater, which was clearly a trap. In the main episode, we find out that Coach is away at the moment, and they're expecting him to come back anytime soon. But Sam's struggling to keep up mm. with all of the orders. Making Bloody Mary, I think? I'm assuming he's ran out of all the pre-made stuff that they've got in the fridge. Yeah, five gallons. That's gone. High demand in February. So he's having to make it from scratch and he's suffering a bit because Coach isn't there. Because Coach has gone to Phoenix for a funeral. And sadly, his friend T-Bone has died. And this is someone that Coach used to play with back in the day, baseball. T-Bone Scappagione. They were in the minors and they coached together for the Red Sox. And it sounds like they've got a really deep history together. Quite a loss for Coach and Coach is quite upset. They were like brothers, weren't they? Mm, That's how he's describing. He said they were like brothers, they thick and thin together. They were in um, the Birmingham Barons together as well, which was uh, another baseball team. So they've got like quite a history where they've played together. Yeah, you know, sports is James. You know, you play together, you stay together. Friends thick and through. But Sam admits that he uh, never particularly liked T-Bone. That's why he didn't go to the funeral. And I suppose someone needed to stay at the bar bartender. Yeah, that's how how the arrangement sort of ended up. Coach returns from the funeral, quite sad, but he's he's got something back with him. What's he got with him, James? Large cardboard cutout. Yep, full-size cutout of T-Bone, the person Sam doesn't like. I would think it would be weird to have at a funeral, but I suppose if you're a bit of a celebrity, then might, one might already exist. I guess people normally have a photo on the side. Yeah. Why not have a full-scale cardboard cutout? <laughs> to scale. To, to have a picture with. So the cutout itself was actually a picture of baseball Hall of Fame slugger Jimmy Fox. Yes, that's true. Yeah, but it plays a lot into this kind of idea of legacy and history, which is something which has been in the show a lot being remembered. Yeah, because it's a place where everybody knows your name. Mm, we've got um, eulogies being written in here, aided by Diane. Um, Coach comes back from Phoenix and he's he's a bit disappointed with the service, really. He doesn't like that they don't know the real T-Bone. Why did they call him T-Bone, Coach? I don't know, Diane. I was hoping to find out. <laughs> So they decide to host a memorial ceremony. And where, where are they going to have this? Is it Diane's apartment? No, no, it's going to be in Cheers. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't there. 
<laughs> which is a nice idea, you know? Yeah. And Sam originally goes, ah, I don't want to do that here. And I think Carla says, They mourn, they drink. Sam goes, All right then. Bring them here. <laughs> it's a nice, nice scenario where we, a lot of people turn up. Um, not necessarily familiar faces, but characters who are familiar to Coach from his glory days on the pitch. Which brings us into the cast. It's a long one. You ready for some lists, John? I'm ready, James. <laughs> Fred Carney as Tom. Carney has also appeared in Kojak and Matilda, the 1978 movie. Not to be confused with the 1996 family comedy based on the Roald Dahl book, because only one of these Matilda films is anything to do with a boxing kangaroo. What? So this is the first the first one that we're hearing. I'm looking forward to the next one. So. Uh, he was also in The Incredible Hulk, Dallas and St. Elsewhere, to name a few. Arthur Lesac as Art. Lesac is actually a voice coach who has trained Martin Sheen, Faye Dunaway, Michael Douglas, Frank Langella, Michael O'Keefe and Linda Hunt. Good repertoire there. Don Bexley as Charlie. Mm. Bexley is most well known for his role as Bubba Bexley. In Sanford and Son, I assume it's the same character naming devices used in Cheers, as well as associated shows, Sanford Arms and Grady. Okay. Do you know what Sanford and Son is? No. It's the American remake of Steptoe and Son. Oh, is it? It's got a much cooler theme tune. I don't know, theme tune to Steptoe and Son's pretty cool. Does it have some slap bass? No, but it's quite jaunty, I think. Don Bexley has also appeared in Laverne and Shirley, Hill Street Blues, and Hunter, the last of which he played the recurring role of Kirby. Mm. Now, Hunter's notable because uh, Dave Richards, who played him, appear in Hunter as the main character. Okay. Fred Dreyer. It's all connected. Yeah. Jack O'Leary plays Lefty. He also appeared in The Bob Newhart Show, Starsky and Hutch, The Jeffersons, The Waltons, Family Ties, The Goonies, and Bonanza, The Next Generation. <laughs> I like to think it's a Bonanza Star Trek crossover. <laughs> Bonanza, The Next Generation? Yes, yeah, a sequel to Bonanza. Do you know what, though? Lefty? We heard about Lefty a couple of episodes. Yeah, Lefty Kramer. He's, he's got a bad heart. Exactly. I'll throw that out there. Yeah, mentioned in Affairs of the Heart, well remembered. Some more cast. I told you, if you love lists, then this is the episode for you. Bob Lobel, or LaBelle, as customer number one. Bob, in real life, is a veteran sportscaster, having been a sports anchor for WBZ-TV in Boston from 1979 to 2008. He even made a cameo role in the Drew Barrymore slash Jimmy Fallon 2005 movie Perfect Catch, which, according to IMDb, as the summary, Lindsay is stuck in the middle of her relationship with Ben and his passion for the Boston Red Sox. A little bit related. No kangaroo, though. No kangaroo. Shame. Unless Ben or Lindsay are a kangaroo. Or there's a kangaroo on the Red Sox team. I paid to see that. <laughs> little, little cat. <laughs> it's just the uh, the catcher. <laughs> Catches it in his pouch. <laughs> Strike one! And Al Rosen returns as Al. Or how he's Sinatra. calling Sinatra! There you go, that guy. That's our guest casts. And uh, most of this crew, I'm guessing, apart from maybe Bob, apart from Bob and Al, make up Coach's uh, old squad. Yeah. And they make quite the collection of people. They come and they, they're here for the memorial. And they're, they're quite a nice troupe, you know? Hmm. It reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, manager Coach when we had the squad come in. Yeah. And they, they sat in the same sort of position as <laughs> that lineup, and it's quite nice to compare those two scenes together. Sadly, no road call of everyone's nicknames. That would have been nice, though. What nicknames would you have given them? Well, we've already got Lefty. Lefty. We've got Red. Yeah. Which is coach because he read once. T-Bone. So it's really left up to what, what Tom, Art and Charlie would be called. Yeah. Tom and Art as the dynamic duo. Let's just copy that name. Because mm-hmm. I think every team needs one. Mm-hmm. And Charlie can be like a... Moose. Yeah, he could be a moose. Much like um, Corey Feldman. That's his name. <laughs> 
The themes in this episode, though, John, they raise, to me, quite a lot of interesting questions, namely about, as you said, that legacy which we mm. leave behind, and not just a legacy in terms of leaving something important, but what we are remembered for. The whole question of throughout the episode, it starts with Sam being like, oh, I don't really like the guy, and it takes a sinister edge later on. But when we die, what will people remember us as? Who will they remember us as? If they remember us at all, will they know the real us? What is the real us? Who judges that when we're no longer there to yeah. be the judge of it ourselves? There's a quote, Coach remembering T-Bone before he finds out the truth, really. Yeah. He always made the guys laugh. He was loved for his irrepressible sense of humour. He was always making fun of people. <laughs> he admired his sardonic wit. I mean, I've seen him ride guys till they were reduced to tears. <laughs> He was a hateful and terrible person. And this was originally why I thought Sam might not have liked him, because I thought it was going to end up that T-Bone was just quite actually spirited with his humour, but was actually liked by most, but mm-hmm. maybe not by Sam. He's remembered quite favourably there by Coach for his humour, and it's later revealed by Sam that T-Bone made a pass at Coach's wife once. And he tells Diane this in sort of confidence, and he says... Of course, he didn't get anywhere with her. I guess she told me because she had to tell somebody after keeping it a secret for so long. But she was afraid to tell Coach because it would have made him crazy. It would have, too. The scum. Oh, yeah. Making a play for his best friend's wife. Well, that's something even you wouldn't do. Well, thank you for that, Diana. I, I can't take all the credit for that because most of my friends' wives are real uggos. <laughs> Let's just pray that this secret goes to the grave with T-Bone. Oh, I hope so, because if Coach ever finds out, put him right in the toilet. And then uh, they walk away, Coach steps out, and he's been in the toilet and heard the whole thing. This is where Coach's grudge comes from, Mm. because he's mad. He goes on a a little bit of a rampage for a bit. He punches the cutout in the face. Yeah, he storms around, he ends up in the office space, and Sam comes in to try and calm him down. And then he requires Diane's help, and they try and do some, like... Role-playing. Yeah, role-play therapy where Sam pretends to be T-Bone and Coach the, tries to talk to him. Wipe his nose the correct way and do the accent and everything. And that, that doesn't go too well. And in the end, Coach says, I'm going to do a speech. And he runs out to give a speech, but here's what he said. T-Bone's he was the son of an immigrant. <laughs> And like most immigrants, he was a human being. (laughs) Human beings make mistakes. We're just not perfect. But I'll tell you what isn't a mistake. To love someone and to forgive them, no matter what his shortcomings, That's not a mistake. I love that man. And I forgive him. And I know that for the rest of my life, every day there's gonna be a moment where I'm gonna miss him. So I got to say. It's quite moving. Yeah, I mean, it's quite heartfelt. And again, it touches on the idea you said in themes of legacy and what we remembered for. 
and coach ultimately decides to forgive T-Bone for mm. what he's done, uh, which inspires the rest of the troop to voice the bad things T-Bone's done and say that they feel like they might be able to forgive him now as well. Yeah. It turns out he made a pass at all their wives, uh, one of them probably successful. What someone says, he never been a pass at my wife, and they go, who's at your house so often? He got mail delivered there, which causes like a little bit of a riot. Someone says, let's hang him in effigy, and uh, coach says, to hell with that, let's hang him right here in Boston. <laughs> It went from zero to... 60 real quick. Yeah. This coach saying fire to things again. Yeah, that record didn't last long. But Diane goes, wait everyone, wait, I'm singing. Oh yeah, they all run out of the bar in like a, a bit of a mob mentality. Burn the witch! <laughs> Burn the cardboard cutout. <laughs> <laughs> and Diane runs up and starts singing to try and restore harmony and peace in the world, as she does every time she tries to sing. And they join in, make yeah. her shut up partly, I guess. No, I, I think they just sort of join in because they were scripted to. <laughs> <laughs> And one by one, they all start singing. And someone out of time, pretty sure. It's quite charming. And yeah, it's a nice little finale scene. But it feels a little bit out of place. It's weird having Diane and then about eight men who are 50 or 60 years old who have a much deeper voice. But yeah, she restores peace and calms the mob. That's kind of the end of the episode. Oh, look, the mail is here. And that only means one thing, James. It's trivia time. I'll kick it off. And I've already given the answer to this through the episode. Coach describes some of the things that he did like about T-Bone to Diane when she's helping write his eulogy. Yeah. What are some of the things he says? No, he always made everyone laugh. Mm-hmm. I kind of said the question a little bit wrong because it's not always nice things. Yeah. He says uh, he always made the guys laugh. He was loved for his sense of humour. He was always making fun of people. Mm. I've seen him ride guys till they were reduced to tears. <laughs> he was hated and a terrible person. This was when he still liked him. Earlier in the episode, the TV has stopped working. So they get Carla to come in because she can talk to the machines. Yep. What does Carla do? She looks at TV work? work or die. Work or die. Uh, and she has a way with inanimate objects. Yeah. I've got the same question for you. <laughs> <laughs> so we find out in this episode, T-Bone made a move on Coach's wife. What other things had he done to the rest of his did teammates? He, did he take $50 and not pay her back? He took $500 and didn't Gee. back. Which the guy that happened to said was the worst thing that happened to <laughs> He made a pass at two or three of their wives and received mail at another one's house, allegedly. After sleeping with someone's wife. Vera's visiting her parents. Where, according to Norm, do Vera's parents live? I can tell you where Vera went. Nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, Norm got it wrong and she hadn't actually left. Yeah. I don't know where her parents lived. Neither does Norm. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he says it's one of those rectangular states. Uh... What we do find out, if Norm doesn't know where they are, what we do know is that Vera never went, and he finds this out via phone call when she calls him, and he says, oh, how's it been, kind of thing. She goes, uh, I'm home. And he went, oh, when did you get back, kind of thing. She went, I never left. He says, oh, I, I thought I heard someone in the john this morning. <laughs> um, yeah, it's quite nice how oblivious Norm's been to his wife for the past, I guess, week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're back. So I guess that brings us to uh, last call. Yep, yeah, final drinks. What are we thinking, James? A funeral drink, maybe a whiskey. Yeah, in memoriam of uh, friendship, friends gone by, a bit of the toasted T-bone. We'll never find out his name. Um, I'd also like to drink towards Icelandic jumpers. Yes. That's uh, quite the style, and I think that deserves more attention. You know what it reminds me of? Mm. It's the type of thing someone would wear to an 80s-themed party if they'd never seen something from the 80s but just Googled it. What dots, zigzags, and stripes, and a turtleneck yeah. on a thick, knitted jumper. Yeah. Horrible. It was disgusting. Let's drink to it regardless. Did you say a whiskey? 
Yeah. On the rocks. Neat. Or there's a uh, nice Icelandic spirit we could have. What's that then, Jim? It's Brennevin. It's a clear, unsweetened schnapps that is considered to be Iceland's signature distilled beverage. If it's anything like their jumpers, I'm sure it'll be strong <laughs> and eye-watering. It is made from fermented grain or potato mash and flavoured with caraway, and for this reason can be considered an aquavit. Well, well, we'll give it a bash. And on that note, I'd like to raise a glass to T-Bone and Coach and uh, say thank you for listening. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name.